We do need a catchphrase, by the way. Why? We need, ca we need a catchphrase. You should say, by the way, before we even start. Fine, starting over. That makes people think that they missed something. They did, because we don't have a catchphrase. No, but we weren't talking about it before you said, by the way. Fine. We need a catchphrase. If we've been talking about something for a while, then we would have been, by the way, we need a catchphrase. It comes after like a paragraph. Is it yeah. me or by the way, your new catchphrase? Hey, you're just a guest. Stay yeah. out of this. Stay out of this guest. I, I, uh, I love the okay, Eric, okay, just introduce us. Okay, so we need a catchphrase. Uh, we no. are the dumb comic creators. We are dumb comic creators. We are the dumb comic creators. Uh, my name is Eric Schwartz, and I am, of course, uh, joined today by... Who? I was waiting for you to answer that oh, question. Uh, Keegan Shiner, yes. And today we have a special guest. His name's uh, Oh, wait, Sasso. hold on, wait, Keegan, I got this. What's your okay. name? <laughs> oh my god, I, was, I wasn't ready for this <laughs> it's, question. It's Willie Sasso. I am Willie Sasso. How's it going, everyone? Good to be here. Live so, from our Good to have you. Good to yep. have you. Live yeah. from our respective apartments. Yeah, social distancing. Yep, safety. Uh, so for today, we're going to start off with um, I, an update on my progress on the Dealmaker. Which is? Uh, which is, I'm still not finished. Yes. Okay. Collective groan. Everyone cries. Everyone's sad. So where are you? What page? I am on page 13. And I have, but the ending is in sight. It's a straight shot. I know how I'm going to end this comic. I'm going to aim for 22 pages. And the big thing that's happened is, so if you guys remember to the first episode, my original thing was I was going to be focusing mostly on the hero, a person named Hank, who was going to bring back justice after all the heroes disappeared. Right, this police officer who wanted to live in a world where he could actually... Police. Make it make yeah. a difference. Make yeah. have his life have meaning. Instead, I'm actually going to try to focus more on the villain because I think he's a more interesting character. So you've been writing, and suddenly the story took its own life. Yes. Force. Really? Have you ever had that happen to you? Rephrase the question. So you're a writer, Willie. That's correct. And, wait, uh, wait. Should we have Willie? Look at my notebook. This this proves it. Wow, only writers it. have notebooks. That's right, man, legally. That's, that's right, that's right. I'm um, sorry, what was the question? So Eric's been writing his first draft yeah. of his comic. Have you ever had a first draft where you thought the story was gonna be one thing and then it takes a turn and it ends up being kind of something else? Um. Yes, yes, I have. I mean, definitely, I've had a first draft where um, um, I get the first scene done and I, and I like how that is, but I have no idea where it's going to go from there. And in my head, it's going to go in one direction and it ends up being a totally different thing. It's, I think that's kind of the fun, I guess, and the quote unquote magic of writing sometimes is, um, yeah. Following well, the fun, right? Following the fun. And like, you know, I mean, I, the script that you've read, Keegan, um, I wrote with my buddy Drew and I a long time ago and I, I remember, you know, it was just about two characters kind of stuck in, you know, L.A. for a day. And then all of a sudden we we went to this new scene 
And it was, it's kind of like finding a gold mine where we kind of found the villain on accident. And we're like, oh my God, and then this turns into that. And it had this whole crime element, but we, we weren't planning on it. It just, you know, it's kind of like you're, you, you know, I don't know, you just blow us a, a hole in the wall. And then you're like, oh, now there's a whole new dimension. You mentioned that you worked with a partner. Um, I, for the most part, am working by myself. Yeah. How does that dynamic change? Like, because obviously, like, you might, I don't know how, like, do you obviously, if you have idea A and your partner has idea B, do you like work together to get to idea C or do you steamroll someone else? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, it really, I think, depends on the relationship and the dynamic. Um, you know, I'm sure you guys know, you probably have worked with other people. Writing with a partner is a totally, it's different every time. Um, sometimes, you know, you, you're kind of in sync and you're on the same page and it goes wonderfully well. And then to your other point, sometimes you're just doing tug of war and that can get really exhausting and whatnot. So also I, I think writing with partners, it's really a matter of like ego combating sometimes. You have to, you know, are you, are you fighting for this idea because you think it's a great idea and it's better or because it's your idea? And I think if you're not ego checking enough individually, then it can become a really um, exhausting process. So well, what, are, what are the benefits of writing with a partner? Because obviously yeah. in, clashing on ideas is a negative, but yeah, you can generate more idea, like overall, you're getting twice the ideas. Does that help with the process? Absolutely. I think if you can get on the same page and again, just, you know, check the egos and that's just one aspect of it. Oh my God, writing with the partner is great because ideally you're both working at 100% and then you have 200%. So some of the things that I've written with my writing partner, um, I, I'm not sure uh, if I could have... Um, written it by myself and if I did it would have been in a different voice so that's a fun part with the partner you're kind of fusing these two voices together and finding you know a weird yin and yang of of yours and his you know again writing style which is fun I'd like to backtrack a little bit um and finish up with Eric and his script um you're on page 13. You need nine pages. Yes. Uh, you got a plan? Yes, I do. So um, I happen to have like it. So at this point, I've kind of built up my staircase and now I just kind of got to take it down to the next level. So like it's, I've gotten to my past, I've hit, gone past the hump of a major plot point of the first one. And now I just got to ride the horse all the way back home. Okay, so, so cool. we're, we're saying next week you're going to have a finished first draft. I will finish first draft, knock on wood, next week. Um, okay. I know where I, I'm heading for. I know my final line that I want um, of the story. I just have to get to there. And if you're listening along and you've listened to the last two episodes, we've said Eric would have a finished first draft the last two weeks. But Hopefully, rule of threes applies in this situation. This week, means it. This yeah. week he means it. Yes. Yeah. But, nice. but know that it, you know, it can take a long time to finish. I've your also draft. had to rewrite pretty much the entire draft twice now because the first time I did, 
uh, Keegan's like, hey, every single part of this is wrong. Rewrite it. Yes. And the second time, Keegan's like, hey, 98% of this is wrong. Rewrite it. Damn. So <laughs> I've had to rewrite it now. It looks, so it looks much better. This, this is year. my third Keegan. and first draft. Okay. I have two questions. Yes. Question one is um, part of this podcast, tr you know, um, tracking your process. Sorry, it's part of this podcast, tracking your prog your progress with your comic book. Is that what yes. you're doing? Okay. Yeah. yeah. So you're kind of checking in every week and talking about, you know, how it was this week and where you're, where you're at and everything. Okay. Yes. Secondly, are you, how is this working? Are you guys working on the, um, on the comic book together, or are you writing it and Keegan's kind of editing it, or what's that dynamic like? So I am, for the most part, writing by myself. Every once in a while, I'll bounce a couple ideas off of Keegan. So the original concept I, I had in my mind, I kind of ironed out the first couple of scenes, like where like it could go with him. And then Keegan, who's actually written comics before, is like, no, you have to write it this way, because I wrote it the way you would write um a story so like i wasn't having like pages i wasn't having like this i'd be like new scene new scene new or new box new box literally when i was typing in it's okay. a new panel and so he gets like you can't you wouldn't be able to submit this at all like this redo it and then also there was like literally because like all the pictures were in my head it'd be like there is literally no descriptive here what's this if it's like it says like talk to me about like what i want this to be like pretty much just the end of each box so I thought I would talk to the illustrator and be like, hey, this is what I was aiming for. This is what I'm aiming for. And King's like, you can't really do that. You have to write everything on the page. Got so it. that they assume no communication with the artist after you hand off the script. So, so, you, so yeah, formatting and, and all well, that. Well, in this in this podcast, I have several comic book uh projects going and Eric is starting from complete scratch. Mm. So I'm updating people on kind of like the further down processes, finding a colorist, finding an artist, publishing, that sort of stuff. While Eric, we're following Eric's journey making his first comic. So that that's our, that's kind of the premise of our podcast. So we, we're really talking about process and production. Yeah. Okay. Versus cool. versus like cool ideas and and that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's awesome. Well, good luck, Eric. This is your this is your third week. Let's let's get it done. Hey, hey, I got a month before it's due. You got a month? I put I guess arbitrarily said that out loud. So I'm giving myself <laughs> a month longer. No. Right now. Set in stone. What the sake of the people what listening? Eric, to you're right. By September for sure. Yeah, yeah, by September for sure. Okay, uh, so I let's okay. let's transition over to Willie. Willie, um, tell us about your writing background and maybe how you got into writing and what you're working on. Yeah, definitely. Um, so my writing background, I in college I uh, studied comedy writing and performance, and um, I really got into writing in college with a buddy of mine um, and our ambition was just to write our own projects and then, you know, um, film it and kind of, you know, make your own movies and whatnot. So we wrote a few scripts, um, just, uh, you know, just some spec scripts that, you know, we ideally would sell someday. And then, you know, the other thing we really did was 
we decided one summer, probably you know eight years ago, to um, we wanted to make a movie. So we just wrote a script for this movie we wanted to make, this feature. And that's how I got into writing. I really didn't have that much experience before. I grew up as an actor and a performer. So yeah, so it was just kind of learning, you know, story structure and format and all that. And then, you know, just keep going with it. I mean, throughout the years, we've written a few other scripts, um, mainly comedies and whatnot. But, but uh, yeah, as far as um, writing goes, um, I've mainly done it with a partner. And then, of course, you know, as you guys both probably relate to, um, you know, there's also sketch writing, which is a kind of a different muscle. Sketch comedy. Comedy, comedy sketch, yeah. Yeah, the stage, uh, right? I mean, look, that, that I, I can do and do do solo, but um, but as far as, I guess, you know, more script feature writing, I do it pretty. What was, the name, what was the name of the film that you made? Uh, Found Footage. Is that on Amazon still? Uh, I think it is, yeah. I think it's on Amazon. Found Footage on Amazon Prime. Found Footage. If yeah, you want to find, you want to find really, really good year. And that's free on Amazon Prime, I believe, too. I believe it is. Yeah, I think it is. They took it down and they put it back up. So it's funny. Someone's still updating our, like, Instagram or Facebook page. And I don't know who it is, <laughs> but someone does it. It always cracks me up because I, yeah, they're keeping oh. the flame alive. Oh, wow. Yeah, man. Okay, so how many scripts do you think you've written? Uh, screenplays. Screenplays? Yeah, screenplays. Um, let's see here. One, two. Uh, I'm going to say, I think about five. Yeah. Okay. Um, so you're experienced. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think so. Um, yeah. Solid five. Okay. Um, so, and of course, you know, each, you know, as you guys know, you go back and you read your old stuff and you're yes. like, this, this might be absolutely terrible. It's, it's such a muscle. It's something you just have to keep doing. I, I'm a pretty notorious editor where I'll look back. You know, look back at a. You're the worst. Person. You're the worst person in the entire world. I know. It's just I just want to keep trimming it and shaping it, and that, so Eric. That, uh, so do you suffer from George Lucas syndrome, where every single thing has to be yeah, edited I, I, and edited I would put and animation edited? Animation scripts always. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, like, yeah. So George Lucas is notorious that like his only thing he really likes about making movies was editing. Because that's mm-hmm. the only time he ever felt control. So that's why, like, every two years, George Lucas would come out with a new version. So, like, I don't like this version. I can improve it. it like, edit some more. So the point uh, thing- I'll say, can I say? Yeah. I will say, say, I find great value. Here's the thing. When the scripts that I've been working on, they're never really in a big final process because we're either, you know, like, hypothetically going to get a made or trying to get a made. So they're always kind of growing. I'm a firm believer of once something is done, it's done. I just think the things that I've worked on um, have never been completed or like finalized the way I would like them to be as far as like made in any capacity. So, so that's why I'm always fixing and shaping. But I, I, don't, I don't believe in going back to your old work and being like, I'm going to add a prologue, you know? Right, yeah, no, it's different than George Lucas so, yeah, who, yeah. who fixes things that are, are finished. Yeah, <laughs> for decades. So Willie and I worked on a comic book, my uh, the Nefarious Mr. Green comic mm-hmm. book, mm-hmm. and he helped write issue number two. Yeah, so that's that's, that's a collaboration that we've done, and yeah. that's why I know that you're the world's worst editor. 
Tell me your experience. <laughs> Tell me why you that upsets you or, or why that annoys you. I don't know if it annoys me, but I know oh, that goodness. there are lots of times where I've gone into that script mm-hmm. and noticed like three words changed yeah. randomly and they mean the same thing. And yeah. I don't know if it's funny or not. And I don't know if it's better or not. But like you, you just, when you're reading, you literally just change words around as you're I reading, think, I think. I think just as far as just how, how I grew up performing and even with, you know, improv and comedy, I'm always trying to find the, you know, the alt, the different versions, you know, I guess, I mean, e- even if I'm filming a silly scripted sketch, you know, I, I always want to try like five different endings, you know what I mean? I don't know if it's a bad thing. I just know that there's there's times where I've worked for like 30 minutes on one line and when I come back to the script, it's different. That I can find that to be frustrating. Well, that, that's why I I kind of like Keegan how, and you can maybe explain, um, I'm sure you, you've already talked about Mr. Green and all that, but I liked how we did the collaboration thing where you kind of, you had written a draft and then you gave it to me and you said, hey, here's the things I want. And, you know, like, I want you to write your own draft. And so I sat with it for, you know, a couple of weeks, you know, maybe a month and sent it back to you. I, I like that tennis more. You know, that was a different collaboration than what I've done in the past. And I, I actually, I kind of enjoyed that because also I was writing something that was yours. So I was just doing, you know, my trims and ads and then, gave it to you and then was completely okay if you took away 90% of it, but maybe you found 10% that you liked. And I, I think that's a fun process. Yeah, it was a lot about trust because I, I knew your writing style. I knew how you write and I knew kind of your comedy sense, your, or your writing sensibility. So when I passed that script to you, I was thinking, I think it's missing this and this, and it probably needs fresh eyes or just somebody else to look at it, you know? And that's where, I, that's where, why, why I did it that way. I'll, I'll say two things on that. I found that like a really fun, you know, I mean, writing your own stuff is really hard, you know, and writing is hard as I'm sure, you know, everyone's always said, but it's nice when, when someone has their idea and their world and they give it to you and then you get to put your two cents into it. That was, that was something I hadn't really done. So that was, really fun. And I also commend you for, I'm not, I think I would have trouble giving something I worked really hard on, like you did with Mr. Green and giving it to someone and say, do whatever you want. I would have a hard time with that. So I always kind of gave you credit for uh, being in that place and approaching it in that way. Uh, so yeah, so all three of us have a background in improv. Um, mm-hmm. Do you like, so and you mentioned earlier that like you go into a story sometimes without having any, maybe your first scene. Do you like also play the game, um, like, I forget what it's called, but, like, say it differently is what it's called, where, like, somebody, like, will have, like, a guy who says, like, or different choice in the name of the game. Do you, like, play that while you're writing? Is that your writing process, or do you have a different writing process? Um, yeah, that's a great question. Uh, for me, so, man, my writing process, you know, it's something I haven't thought about too much. So let me, let me try to craft together an explanation, but... For me, writing, um, I, it helps me to talk out loud. So if I'm writing with someone, you know, spouting out ideas and for scenes, it's really helpful for me to, 
I guess, I mean, I'm not sure this is the right word, but improvise ahead of time, you know, just kind of at least get an idea of where we can go and, and say it out loud and how it sounds. That's really helpful for me. So I think, so yeah. And then also, um, uh, even writing alone with he can sing it for me, it's, it's about rhythm and, and, uh, and yeah. So, so I'm not sure that fully answers your question, but. But I've, I've sat around in the dark and read out loud a script to make sure yeah. that the characters had, had voices and, and it didn't sound like Star Wars episode two, you know? I hate the sand. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think there's a lot of value in that, honestly. Yeah. Um, and, and, and again, you know, you can write a joke on paper, right? Which I'll read some of my scripts and there's things that um, on paper, they kind of sound funny in my head, but then when I say it out loud, it, it sounds cheesy or whatnot, or, you know, or it's not as funny as I thought. So I think there's a lot of value of coming up with, like you said, you know, alternatives to what you're trying to say. So Willie, um, I have a question. Yeah. Uh, you're coming from screenwriting and I asked you to write a comic book script. Yeah. Uh, what was your experience kind of making that transition? Yeah. Um, I was a little nervous when you asked me because of course I was like, I, uh, I don't know how to write a comic book, which of course, uh, yeah, you know, I'm sure everyone before they write a comic book says, um, I, approached it from, I kind of cheated a little bit where I took what you wrote with the panels and everything. And I was really just trying to write it as a screenplay, which I think afterwards we had to go back and be like, no, we got to have panels there. And actually, I, I think I wrote it as a straight up screenplay and you had to kind of adapt it like that. So uh, you're, right? you're ruining this. <laughs> you're ruining this. Interview. Well, no, okay, but, 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 but let, let, let me just say this. Let me just say this. You know, again, I said, I don't know how to write a comic book. I, I, I don't know how to do that. Well, I, I didn't, I didn't approach it with, I'm going to write a comic book. I was just writing a story and I was just writing, writing how I knew how to write. And then from there, we turned it into a comic book. And even when you sent it back to me with, you know, with the panels and everything in place, um, I was able to work within those, I guess, um, confined. Within that language. It was, a, it's exactly within that language. So let me just say how I made that transition. I just wrote it as a story, how I knew how to write it. And then afterwards, retrospectively, changed it and modified it um, to make it work within the, um, the parameters of a comic book. Say, so the story, the story comes first, I think. I think, I think the, the, the story comes first. And of course, you know, when you're, especially when you are um, want, wanting to give it to a comic book, illustrator you want to make sure that um th there's a lot more ideas and elements you need to take into consideration but initially for me it was just like let's let's write the story about mr green and let's try to make it funny and different and as good as i can right now because really when you're writing a screenplay you're trying to be concise and it's just the opposite with writing a comic book script you need to write out everything that you would see on the screen when you were watching a movie versus everything that, and all of that stuff is decided by a director of a film where the screenwriter is really concerned. And this is what you ran into. You were concerned about the story and then we converted it to the film basically. Uh, 
or the yeah. film version, which is really what a comic book script is. It's the Definitely. film, the film version written out on paper. Yeah. No, absolutely. Okay. Well, I have a question. Yeah. Are you afraid to die? Because I've been dying a little bit each day since you came back into my life. What am I talking about? Is, is, I is love you. Is that Anakin? <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> that, that, dude, not to go on a t- crazy tangent, but the prequels are fine. I'll, do this, I'll make this concise. Episode three, story-wise, is good. Episode two is a, is a mess. And I want to say this really quick. I think the story of Anakin on paper is great and tragic and Shakespearean. I wish a different director took that story because I think that would have been really incredible. Anyways, this is not a Star Wars podcast. But <laughs> why sorry, didn't why didn't it everywhere? I do have a question about that. Um, why didn't Star Trek sue um, when they found out about the Trade Federation? Because you can't have two federations <laughs> in space. Was Gene Roddenberry dead at the time? Maybe they're in different galaxies. I don't know. Although uh, there was a Doctor Who and Star Trek uh, alignment, so they exist in the same universe. When was that? Comics. In the comics? Yeah, the Cybermen and the Borg team up to fight the Doctor in the Victory Federation. Wow. They're effectively the same thing. They're both assimilate. They both are robot people that can't run. Um, And they both all have the same voice. Unless you're Jerry Ryan, in which case you just happen to have a hot voice. Yeah, I said it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, let's get back. Let's get back a little bit to, yeah, to the story. So, so Willie, do you, uh, Willie, do you have anything in the works like that you want to selfless plug right now? Or yeah, well, right now, I once um once COVID hit, I realized how much free time I was inevitably going to have. So. This, uh, this idea I was kicking around for a long time, maybe, I mean, I've, I've had the idea for maybe five years and then I've been seriously considering it for a year and I'm like, dude, you got to write it and figure it out. So this, this script I wrote with my buddy um, a couple years ago called The Hollywood Pitchers. Um, it was about us going to LA and trying to pitch our script and getting our ass kicked spiritually. Um, and and we, we wrote a, a screenplay out of it with the hopes to make it into a, make it into something someday. Um, and so uh, once I realized that we probably wouldn't be able to make the film, I decided uh, to maybe turn it into a musical, like a little black box musical that I could, you know, uh, potentially realistically pull off. So that's what I'm working on now. I'm writing the music right now. Uh, I shared it with Keegan a little bit. So that's I'm working on that. I have about 10 songs Kind you know, written a very rough draft, very very beginning stages. Um, so and yeah, you're, fo- then- you're following the story of the screenplay, which is ironic a little bit, uh, right in line with this podcast about adapting your screenplay yeah. to a comic book. Well, um, I was going to tell you say earlier, you know, as far as um, story, you know, like you mentioned writing the screenplay it just as a story and then adapting it to a certain medium. That's what I'm doing now also. We wrote this, wrote this movie screenplay. And so now, you know, once I can get a good handle on the songs and kind of a little demo, I'm going to move on to the script, but I have to reformat it and kind of visualize it in a totally different way. Because as you guys know, and I, I've actually, I've written, I wrote a musical. I didn't write the music. I wrote the script for it. 
um, a, you know, in college. And uh, it, it's a totally different thing. You have to present information in a totally different way, jokes land in a totally different way. So I am excited for that challenge to try to take this story that I'm familiar with that we were right, hoping to make it a movie and now try to transfer that and change that, you know, on a different medium. So, yeah. So oh, that sounds great. Same idea, yeah. Uh, for those that want to see you in live Chicago, is there any place you're going to be performing later? Uh, God, I mean, not, not, nothing, nothing right now. Uh, as of now, no, if you, if you come, I'll send you my address. You can come to my address and I'll perform from my bedroom window. I have, I have a plug for you. Please. You should watch found footage on Amazon Prime. Yes. Hey, I will say, yeah, for free, baby. And then I will say a long time ago when I was in California with my writing partner, we did a series of sketches called the Drew and Bill Show. And I think we ended up having like 60, 66 sketches. So look at the Drew and Bill Show and, uh, you know, you can make the average video have like more than 110 views. Is, it, is that the drewandbillshow.com? Um, Wasn't that know, on Funny or Die? It, yeah, it was on Funny. Yeah, we, we I had think they shut down though. Didn't they shut down? Yeah, unfortunately, yes, they did. If you go on yeah. YouTube and type in Drew and Bill Show, you'll find some stuff. Oh, it's but on yeah. YouTube. Okay. It's on YouTube. But yeah, those are my plugs. Yeah. But I mean, cool. yeah, I'll be uh, looking forward to what you guys do and how the podcast goes and whatnot. And Eric, I'm looking oh, forward thanks. to reading Deal Make. Deal Peace yeah, Make. Yeah, I'll, I'll send you a copy in December. Dece December. Yeah. December 31st. I'm looking December forward to it. December 31st. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, thank you guys. Guys, this is a lot of fun. Yeah, thank you. Thanks Absolutely. for coming on. Oh uh, yeah, man. Do I do I leave now? Yeah, you can leave. I you can leave or you stay. Bye. Whatever you want. See Bye, you guys. Bye. Bye. See ya. Good to see you. Bye. All right. So next, uh, the dumb comic book creators are going to talk about some comics they read this week. Did you uh, read anything? I did. I read the comic called Joker. Just Joker. Just um, Joker. Who's it by? It is by Brian Azzarello, who, as you guys probably have heard by now, I've mentioned 100 bullets 18 times per minute. Same author. Uh, okay. So it even says, from the award-winning author of 100 bullets, Brian Azzarello. Um, it's a story that stars a guy named Robert Frost, who is a henchman of the Joker. Um, and kind of follows the storyline of the Joker just after he's released from... Um, or, uh, from Arkham and how like Joker tries to take back his city and more and more he realizes that Joker, he first thought Joker was a genius and wasn't crazy at all and more and more he realizes Joker's insane and he's gonna die and, and if he stays there stuff like that and so it talks so it follows that and it's just really well done Really well illustrated. It's a really well written story. So let's talk about the art style. Who's, uh, who's the artist on the book? So the art is Lee Bermajo. Ber Bermajo? I don't know how to say his name. I think. Uh, it is, uh, for the most part, um, it's more like realistic to a certain extent. Uh, you know, like it's blocky. They show a lot more lines in the faces and stuff like that. Uh, I actually was a big fan of it because it just kind of fit the storyline. Whereas, like, for example, 100 Bullets was much more uh, cartoonish, period. They, like, just drawn that way. Uh, this one just is better, just more realistic. And that's even though the characters are, you know, illustrated, 
they're more likely they more likely have a picture. They kind of look uh, slightly realistic. Yeah, slightly realistic. With some ex exaggerated features. In it yes. Like. Um, and the colors are much more dull. So like they're not, there's no bright colors. It's kind like, of a bluish tint. Yeah, like all of them feel like they take place at night. Like because the background of the skies are like reddish. They don't have very blue skies, stuff like that. So is it a bit of a noir? Um, not really, or it is kind of dark, but it's not really a noir in the traditional sense. Okay. It's, um, more of, like, uh, like, uh, kind of like a, it's not a horror, it's kind of like just like more like a depressing story. Oh, I see. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the colors kind of fit into that because they're dulled and not very bright. Yeah. Um, what about the lettering? Uh, so the lettering is a traditional uh, DC Comics in that they follow that same format of like the same type, whatever that they use. Um, the, it's computer, computer made. It's computer made. It will, it does bowl some stuff, but it doesn't like change drastically. So like when he calls, so for example, he calls um, uh, Who calls? the uh, the Joker calls uh, whoever the crocodile guy is. Forget that guy's name. Um, he calls him handsome. Croc. Yeah, they call him Killer Croc. Yeah. Uh, handsome. He does like he bolts the word handsome. You guys can see uh, that. Can't, can't quite see it. Can't mm. quite see it. Uh, hopefully my camera will be there. But that word that you see next there. Yeah. Handsome. So, okay. So they use bolded bolded lettering to but they don't, emph like, emphasize. Things. Yeah. yeah, but they don't like change fonts, which some DC comics will do. Um, I see. Specific words, some of like that too. Um, uh, so yeah. So um, and that je ne sais quoi. Uh, so the je ne sais quoi uh, is French. It's a great word. It's a great phrase. Um, <laughs> it um it is really good because. You, so Joker is always kind of seen as like this crazy person that can't be understood. And you kind of like feel like every single person goes like, oh, I totally understand them. Like you hear people that are like, I get Joker. He makes sense to me. And this is the first time he says, no, I really don't. Like, because like the main character at one point thinks he like, understand. so the Joker does something and he's like, I understand completely why he did that. I would have done the exact same thing. And then five minutes later, he's like, I have no clue why he would do that. That makes no sense to me. What's going on? Oh, okay. so like it's good. It's it's unpredictable, but the story flows well. So, um, so it keeps you keeps you reading. In other keeps, words? Yeah, it keeps you reading, but it. I don't. There was never the time where I read it. I was reading. And I'm like, I know what's going to happen next, because okay. that, that doesn't happen. So and what what else sets it apart from like other Batman comics? Um, it's darker in a certain sense, not literally, but um, like like so the Joker like the first time like that like he seems to be like a crazy person like well done and that was done correctly in film. I think the only time it was done correctly in film was the dark uh was Batman the Dark Knight because like. Um, what's we call Joker, the one from Jack Nicholson's Joker, which is Jack Nicholson. Like, I didn't, like, he it was Jack Nicholson wearing makeup and smiling. Heath Ledger 
like actually I felt like was was crazy and cynical. Uh, the one from the Joker from uh, Suicide Squad, Jared Leto was just bad. Yeah, he was. And then, like, I also thought I did not like the Joker as Joaquin Phoenix. I mean, yes, he got an Academy Award, but I just kind of felt like, yeah, no, I really don't care about you at all. Like, you don't no, see it was, it was just pathetic. Really. Yeah, like, every single time, like, you kind of feel pity for him the entire time. I never felt anything except for pity for him. Like, I didn't feel, like, scared by him. I didn't feel, like, empathy towards him. I felt like, you just suck. your life just sucks. There's nothing good about this at all. Right, and I would respect people whose life sucks that don't go crazy, like do that stuff. So, yeah, yeah, I understand. Um, okay, so on a scale between uh, the inside of a cavern full of bats that are biting you, and do they have rabies? Yeah, they definitely okay. do. They okay. definitely have rabies. Okay, I want to make sure. I wouldn't even have thought to say it because I just assumed they had rabies. Okay, that was my fault. I apologize to our audience and you, Keegan, for failing to assume that you knew they had rabies. Oh, of course they had rabies. And yeah. you're, you're going to get rabies. Yeah. Almost instantly. Yeah, if you're bit by rabies infested bats, we all read Cujo. We all know what's going to happen. So on a scale between rabies infested bats biting you in a cavern to uh, having a billion dollars and your own super suit to fight Superman with, uh, where would you rate this comic? Uh, Iron Man. Uh, so I don't get to fight Superman, and I, don't ha- and I have, and my suit needs always these improvements. But overall, you know, really good, really well done. I'm happy with it. I mean, I think Iron Man could fight Superman. I think Iron Man would lose to Superman, but yeah, he fought, he fought the Hulk. He he beat Thanos for a second. Yeah, it's true. He would lose Thanos Superman, is though. like way way more powerful than Superman. Depends which version, also like who's writing too. Okay, all right. <laughs> okay, well, I read a comic too. I read a graphic novel actually, Ooh. called and it's called uh, Drinking at the Movies, and it's by Julia Wirtz. And it's about her uh, first year living in New York City when she moved there from San Francisco. So it's autobiographical. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's got like the best introduction by Janine Garofalo. Is it a for? I don't know. Is it a forward or is it like a part of the comic? It's a forward. Sorry. Yeah. But the forward is done in, it's literally notebook pages from Janine Garofalo's notebook. So if you can find this, it's one of the best forwards I think I've ever read. Um, because it's literally just notes. <laughs> uh, in, in like a, yeah, so definitely check this out just for the forward, um, this book. Uh, but yeah, so it's about Julia's life. Uh, get into the story. She's um, kind of been living in San Francisco for a couple of years after college and she needs a change. So she moves to New York and has to adapt to living in the Big Apple. And so it's a bit of a fish out of water. Um, She's also goes into substance abuse issues. Um, She's constantly juxtaposing her loneliness in New York uh, that she's dealing with with alcohol 
to her brother's uh, addiction issues that he's uh, being sent to the hospital or to rehab for. Um, so there's some of that connection. Um, she also just includes a lot of random um, parts of New York City that I think, and it, it's cute and quirky um, is two words I use to describe the story. Um, uh, is, is she a manic pixie dream girl? Is she what? A manic pixie dream girl? I don't know what that is. Uh, do you know Garden State or whatever? The film Garden State? Yeah. That's Natalie Portman's character is a manic pixie dream girl. Or like, she's quirky but solves all the character characters' problems by being so quirky and crazy. No, I, I would say she's definitely not that. <laughs> okay. She's, she's a mess and she has problems and and that makes for a great, uh, a great story. So the art, I'm gonna move on to the art. Is that okay? Uh, I can, can I ask you about the art? Sure. How is the art? Oh, so the art. Uh, <laughs> oh, wow. I'm glad I thought to ask that question. <laughs> the art is uh, drawn by Julia Woods. And um, so she's written and drawn this whole book. Uh, the art, um, has some like really cool chapter art where she like has sketched parts of her neighborhood or um, the apartment she has moved into. So, um, and then the rest of the book is done in these like large comic panels. So it's pretty standard panels per page, like six panels per page. And so only some pages have a little more, but they're they're always done in these like uh, rectangular box style. So it's pretty um, standard for what you'd see in like a Sunday comics type of style. Um, and it's a little cartoony, but again, she has like, just like that last uh, graphic novel I talked about, Guide the Wild, there are some like illustrations that are are more detailed um, of her environments. Um, yeah, but the art is solid. And um, I do notice that some of her characters look the same, no matter if they're new characters or not. So I actually thought that was kind of interesting because it made like the New York strangers seem, more, seem a lot more familiar. Um, so you did you so you liked that they didn't look familiar or did you dislike it? No, I did because like for instance, like the bums, like the homeless people in the book, um, are all drawn sort of the same. So no matter who is homeless, it kind of feels like they're a familiar character, even if it's a different person. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. So like yeah, so short encountered similar people. And, and they seem familiar because it's a similar situation, but also because she's drawn the character the same. All right, I'm gonna throw some French words at you. And um, I, uh, if you don't know what they mean or how to say it correctly, understand. Uh, what about the je ne sais quoi? Well, I'm not there yet because I wanted there? to talk about the color. Oh, you which, want to talk about the color? Which is done in black and white. So there's okay. not much to talk about. And then the lettering is all um, handwritten lettering, mm -hmm. which is well done. Um, but on the flip side of that, it's never like really the same size lettering. So uh, so if you're OCD about that sort of thing, 
Um, the lettering will change sizes on each page, which is interesting too. Is that um, like, uh, you think that's on purpose or just because it's hand drawn? I think it's just because it's been hand drawn. Um, yeah, it's hard to control that sort of thing. So, okay, I'm ready to speak French to you. All right, so as I previously asked, uh, is well, how do you think of the je ne sais quoi? I think the je ne sais quoi in this situation is her voice and her um, ability to kind of reflect her life back into the page. Um, she's definitely hilarious and um, the way she experiences things um, like like a lot of it's kind of a dark humor and sort of like uh, self-deprecating. Um, she definitely has alcohol problems that she acknowledges and she goes on benders. I mean, uh, but they're they're all done in like pretty quick bits, you know, like these are little vignettes of, of the city. Um, so it reminds me a lot of like a Lily Allen film. Um, which, uh, God, what a bad example. So, <laughs> uh, so, does she, yeah. uh, does she like, does she have a story arc? So the, yeah, the ending does jump forward a few years and, um, and it explains how she gives up alcohol and, and wishes that she'd known at the time that she should have done that. Um, so, so it does have like a, a nice button ending. Um, but I, I think this is also like kind of represents her her twenties, <laughs> so um, or thirties. Which one is it? Yeah, probably twenties. I assume. I don't know. Twenties. Yeah, I'm guessing. But cut that out. <laughs> okay. Uh, cool. Cat, 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 cat. Cool. Uh, so that was a great explanation of the je ne sais quoi. Well done, Keegan. Thanks. So if I were to ask you to rate this from only being allowed to wear sports bras only for the rest of your life, they have to all be gray sports bras, and they're sweaty, not your sweat, but someone else's sweat. Uh, yeah, uh, to um, uh, your voice being as becoming as deep and sexy as James Earl Jones whenever you want it to be. How would you rate it? Um, I would rate this Morgan Freeman. Oh, that's actually even a better voice. So it's even better than I expected. Is it a better voice? Yeah, I think it's a better voice. I think they're about equal. Okay. So this is not perfect, but pretty close to. Yeah, I mean, it's on par. It's, yeah, it's, uh, again, nothing's perfect. I don't want to say anything's perfect. Yeah, it could, I agree had, that. it could have had some color, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but I, yeah, I think um, I this book I, I made my wife read. I think it's like, it's really, really good. I'm going to send it to you probably. Okay. Um, and, and I would highly recommend it. So it, it's just a really well done graphic novel. And I think it's worth, uh, I think it's worth a read and like thinking about how you can make a novel about your your life, you know. Mm -hmm. All right, let's let's wrap this up um, for this week. Um, you're gonna work on your script. Yep. Um, Next week, well, I hope. Honestly, I hope to have a done first draft 
so you can start to go from there. Okay. And next week, I think I'm going to have colors for my first issue of Death Maze, uh, which I'm very excited by. That's good. And, uh, and you and I are going to look at the colors and kind of discuss them because I've, what I've done is hired three different colorists to do the colors and they've all taken like a different direction and I just want to like kind of choose the best one. So, um, and also discuss like why I chose them and, and different reasons for, uh, for doing that. So that's maybe on the docket next week too. Um, I'm, I'm waiting on one more color to come back for that. So, so we'll see. Um, yeah, so we've, this, this week we started a, uh, a Patreon giveaway. If you join our Patreon, we will put you in the running to um, have a script made by like with us. We'll, we'll work with you to make it. Um, so if you're interested in that, our Patreon is patreon.com slash dumbcomiccreators. It's easy to find. Um, if you have any questions for us or any, any books you want us to read, uh, also you can reach us out that way too. Yes, and our website is dumbcomiccreators.com and you can email us at dumbcomiccreators at gmail.com. Right. Um, we need a catchphrase. Yes. At this point, I'm willing to agree. Yeah, we do need a catchphrase. Just All to right. be civil and, and wrap this up quickly. Yeah, yep. Um, I'm Eric Schwartz. And? Okay. And? Who are you? Oh, I'm Keegan Chen. Yeah, we gotta work on that. So we gotta work on getting a catchphrase. And you just pause, and I expect you to say something. I'm Eric Schwartz, and this is CNN. I don't know what you're gonna say. All right, I'm gonna say this. Uh, see you guys next week. Yes. See you. See ya.